Hey, food friends, and welcome to the Food Founders Podcast. Whether you're looking to get on your very first store shelf or you're looking to grow your national or even international food brand, this podcast is going to teach you what it really takes to launch, grow, and scale a packaged food brand. Hear the food founder journeys of brands growing in their industry so you can fast track your food business success. I'm your host, Ainsley, and this is the Food Founders Podcast. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Food Founders Podcast. Today, I am really, really excited to have Kirsten Kirchmer here, who is doing some amazing pieces, not only in the food and bev space, but for women as a whole, which really impacts the whole world. As we know, Kirsten is pioneering a new approach to women's health all around personalization with Forever Brazen. And I'm so excited to have the story shared and just to dig in more of what we're doing. So Kirsten, welcome to the Food Founders Podcast. Thank you. I'm so happy. I mean, this is our second swing of this because, you know, we had those tech edge. And so it's been really nice getting to know you and I'm, I'm excited for our conversation. Yeah, me too. I know a bit about the brand and know a bit about you as the founder and from our conversations and just Really love what you are standing for in terms of pioneering this new approach to women's health. But I would love for you to dive into what exactly does that mean when you say that you are pioneering new approach to women's health? And I know that personalization is so, so important for you. What does that look like for you in Forever Brazen? So I think that, you know, I've been a, a reproductive acupuncturist for the last 20 years. I helped well over 10,000 infertile women with both their menstrual problems and their fertility issues. And from that experience, I mean, I was trained in Western medicine and Chinese medicine. I was really interested in like, what is integrative medicine? What is, because we talk about integrative medicine right now, but it doesn't exist, right? Either you go to your physician until that doesn't work, and then you go to an acupuncturist or a naturopath or somebody else, or you only go to an acupuncturist, naturopath until that doesn't work, and then you go to a physician. But there's no, there's no real collaborative medicine going on. And as a clinician, I was really interested in like, what would it look like if we invented a new kind of of medicine called integrative medicine, in which we borrowed and leveraged the best of Western medicine, the best of Chinese medicine, the best of nutrition, mind, body, behavioral science, and technology. And what would that look like? And, and that's what I worked on for 20 years. And what I found was that there is no treatment for anything. There is treatments for everything. And what that means is like, people will say, well, what is the best food for fertility? And I say, none. And they're like, what do you mean? I mean, I've read all these books and it says you should eat pineapple for cervical discharge. And I was like, no, 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 no. Those are band-aids. The treatment for fertility for food is to understand what's wrong with your fertility in particular. So, for example, some woman might have only one day of menstrual bleeding. If she only has one day of menstrual bleeding, she is likely to have a very thin lining and make implantation very difficult for her. For her, eating a diet that is very rich in iron-rich foods, that's very nourishing and high in fats and essential fatty acids is going to help make higher quality blood and improve her lining. To really personalize, we have to understand why does she only have one day of bleeding? Is it the quality of food that she's eating? Is she a vegan when she actually, her particular body requires animal products? Is it because the capacity of her digestion, which means like the ability to take food, break it down, convert it into energy and convert that into blood is compromised in some way. And if so, the food treatment is less important than fixing that problem. If we fix that problem and then we make sure she's got enough iron-rich food in her diet to complement that and rebuild the blood, then suddenly that gets better. 
that's a personalized approach to fertility. But if the same person, if another person said, well, I heard Kirsten say that, you know, fixing digestion and iron rich foods are good for fertility, but they have a lot of clotting and pain. Those foods are actually going to make more blood, which will make more clots, which will make more pain, which will actually hurt her fertility. So we're pioneering a whole new way of looking at every single thing that a person with a period or a woman, I try to use both, to help them along their entire reproductive life cycle. So from the time before they get their period to the time when they start becoming sexually active and the time that they are sexually active, thinking about pregnancy, being pregnant, postpartum, perimenopause, menopause, and all the disease conditions that live within that. A personalized approach to all of those. And we think that that's very brazen. Brazen means to overcome something shameful with swagger, like period shame. And I think that the fact that no one is really talking about how do we really help women and people with periods transcend the curse and stigma and suffering of their periods that we can never take a new place in society. And so that's what we're up to. Okay. Wow. Talk like people talk about having like a big, big, hairy, audacious goal, have a BHAG. And you're like, no, like I'm actually going to do that. Like you're truly trying for half of our population. You are, you know, doing something that is going to impact them and their lives. And let's be honest, like, as you mentioned, like women go through all of these different phases and your body is going to go through all these different phases. And Mm -hmm. that does impact, you know, their lives and the whole world, obviously, because we interact with both sexes throughout it, which is so, so huge. I'm really curious about this personalization piece. I am so with you. I completely believe that there is no one size fits all. I'm wondering, like, have you had pushback about that at all? Just given lots of people want to be like, no, everyone should be vegan or no, you really need to be pescatarian or you definitely need GMO free. Like people are very set in the way for people to be. And you're like, no, no, no. Everybody is different. I fully agree with that as well. Everybody is totally different. What's the feedback been? What's the pushback been? Are people open to it? Talk to me about that. I just don't even care, to be honest with you. <laughs> so I get uh, I get every kind of pushback. I mean, we work a lot with um, women and people with periods with menstrual pain and PMS. And I can't tell you how many times people have told me, like, will argue with me, like, PMS and cramping are normal. Like, arguing mad that I'm even saying, like, no, actually, they are a reflection that something is not optimal. It may not mean that you have endometriosis, but in a in a perfectly optimized state, you will not have PMS and cramping. And I have seen it in over 10,000 cases. So I know for sure that to be true. I've heard people tell me, argue, argue, like, no, cramping is the way that God trained our body to get ready for labor. I'm like, that's screwed up. No God would ever do that. That's just a lie. Cramping is God's punishment for Eve's sin in the garden. That's not true. I'm 100% certain of that as well. It's just like preposterous. And so in some ways, like, I think that everyone gets attached to their point of view very powerfully. And as I was just demonstrating my own attachment to my point of view, but at least I can back mine up with data and clinical experience. All I care about is producing an outcome. And I will use whatever tool it takes and I will measure fanatically the before and the after. And I want to see what are the levers that change the outcome. Like when you look at a period tracker, I just think it's a bunch of garbage because it's like, okay, well, you put a lot of input in and then it tells you when you're going to ovulate and it tells you maybe when you're going to have your period. And that's very easy. You don't need artificial intelligence to do that. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. I could do that on the back of a napkin and I'm not technical, but 
What's really interesting that is if you collect all that data and you understand how those pieces are related to each other, you can see what's working and what is not working and where the opportunities are to improve it. And so instead of just trying to fix the cramping or instead of just trying to fix the infertility or the PCOS, if you fix the whole system, you actually don't have to fix everything. You have 10 or 12 problems that are going on under the ecosystem of endometriosis or PCOS or infertility, and you even improve them by 10, 20, 30%. The compounding effect on the person's one presenting problem like PCOS or infertility is exponential, but also the benefit is not only does their condition get better, their whole life gets better. And to me, I don't care what I have to do. If the truth was, I mean, like I'm really anti-vegan because I just saw so many infertile vegan women in my clinical practice, like a disproportionately high amount. I'm all about vegetables, but I think for whatever reason, it doesn't appear that being a vegan is advantageous to women who are trying to get pregnant. Mm. I'll get lots of pushback on that. I always do. I don't care. What I do know is that like when we reintroduced a little bit of bone broth and a little bit of eggs and some more um, animal products that their cycles changed dramatically and suddenly their fertility was were potentiated by as much as 200%. So I can't wow. remember what your question was, but yeah. <laughs> I can't remember. I just, I'll go off on a tangent. Yeah, no, no, I love it. Yeah, no, it's, and that is, that is a great example even of how people are kind of set in. No, I, I'm a vegan. What can you do for, you know, my body type and, I think it's hard probably for people to take like, well, maybe being vegan isn't the right way for you, or maybe this diet isn't the right way for you. But I think, uh, you know, what I hear from you is that you're committed to just getting people the body and the results from their body that they truly want. And I think people want that at the end of the day, women want that at the end of the day as well. And so, you know, if they're open to that, uh, then they can work to get those results with you and with the products that you have. I think that, I think like with the infertility, the, you know, the infertility score, the fertility score that we developed for conceivable, I think that really helps us because we have the data to say like, listen, whether you agree or disagree is fine. We have the data that in four months, we increase the likelihood of conception of women almost 250% with no human interaction. And so whatever we were doing, that system was making a profound difference in the outcomes. Not only that, they had 70% reduction in PMS, 70% reduction in, in cramping and better energy, more sleep, you know, all those other things, perceived stress was down. And so, you know, I always look at every one of those roadblocks as a diagnostic opportunity. So if I'm working with somebody who's a vegan, who's like, I'm a hardcore vegan, I'm not going to eat meat. That actually fixed point of view is also a pathology that's a reflection of something like it's an attachment. It's a fix. Like in Chinese medicine, it would be like a liver pathology where you like, you know, can't see outside of yourself. You can't even reason with like what might even the data show. I mean, because the data show for fertility that, that like uh, women who are vegan had longer times to conception. Mm. And um, even despite that, when they're like, no, 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 I'm going to be a vegan. It's an opportunity for us to start seeing like, how can we find an opening? Like we're really committed to helping women and people with periods. We have to be committed to like meeting them where they're at and really finding out like, okay, what is the block here and what piece of relevance or, or human interaction or contact or softening on our side or education do they need to just to open a little bit? And then like, well, let's just try this tiny little bit as a test for one month and see what happens. Could you do that? Yes or no. And those are the opportunities where we can make we can change the whole world if we can develop technology that can allow us to meet 
people at every single layer of their health from what there is happening in their mind, what is happening with their environment, what is happening with what they consume, their, the food that they eat, what they drink, what they smoke, what they, the caffeine, the alcohol, how much they exercise. I mean, I think this is another point that, you know, so many women that I work with and have worked with would say, I don't know what's going on. I'm really healthy. Like I'm weight appropriate. I go to yoga every day. I also CrossFit like five times a week. I'm a vegan. And what do you eat? Well, I mostly eat salads and like protein shakes. Like I'm really healthy. How's your period? Well, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a, it's, it's terrible. I have hemorrhagic bleeding and a lot of pain, but everything else, like I'm completely healthy. Otherwise Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, no, no. Like metaphorically, when you lift up the hood and there's really bad stuff going on, it tells us that's a reflection. That's your check engine light. That no matter how healthy you look on the outside, what's happening with your period is like this instrument of unfair advantage. It allows us to see what's happening every single month in response to how we're caring for our body. I love that analogy that it's like looking under the hood and being able to check in with your body every single month. And I don't think people look at it like that. And partially because they are dealing with a, a negative experience of it. And so they come to resist it versus allowing it to be an information point for them, which is really key. I agree. Can you talk about the different products that you have uh, and how those help people on that, that different journey uh, throughout womanhood? Yeah. Yeah. So we're right in the middle of sort of a I'm always getting a new idea and trying to figure out, again, how do we innovate? How do we make the experience better and better for the people that we serve? And so currently we have, if you go to Forever Brazen, we have um, two products for PMS and cramping. And you're like, what about all this customization? We're getting there. It just takes us a while to build the tech to match it. And then on the conceivable site, we have a fertility predictor score. We developed um, basically an ability to look at all of those pieces that we just talked about and score them and use them to predict the likelihood of natural conception. And so on a one to 100, we found that women who were struggling to get diagnosed infertile, their average starting score was 33. Now, when we worked our program and we were able to get their scores over 60, I thought they would have to get to 80 to start getting pregnant. All they had to get their score was above 60. In women who are 35 to 41, they increase the likelihood of conception, like I said before, as much as 250% in just four months. And so um, that's the other thing. And so now those things are getting married. And so in the next month or so, when you come to Forever Brazen, you'll be able to pick what you're working on, whether it's your fertility, whether it's your period, whether it's PMDD, PMS, PCOS, and drop down into um, like an assessment in the same way and purchase those customized interventions and whatever products that you need to support that along your journey. And then each month, if you're a subscriber, each month you get rescored. I review exactly what you're doing and do a personalized report with each of those that tells you, okay, this is what's working. This is no, it's not working. This is where we need to double down because sometimes as we continue to build the, like people like, how can you possibly, you know, look at every single person's score and their report, but Every time I look at one, I learn a little bit more about how to continue to deliver this in a, a technical um, delivered version. That's what allows us to do it for almost free, right? So the better the tech that we can build, the more people's lives that we can touch, which is like a core value for our organization. I think that the products are fantastic. And one of the things that I see so much that you bring into the business, both from like on the back end side and forefront in front of consumers is data. You talk so often about the statistics about, you know, 
you know, on brazen, like 70% of women feel better within the first three months, like increasing, you know, your chances of uh, getting pregnant over, you know, 200%. This data is such a core element to the business, both behind the scenes and in front of consumers. Has that, is that just like who you are or talk to me about how you have integrated data to help you get to where you are in, in business right now? I think that's really interesting. I think a lot of it came from, it's funny because I'm not a, I'm not a detail person at all. I'm really an innovator. So, but the data allows me to innovate because I don't want to just make things up. I want to look at the data and understand where the holes are and where the surprises are and then use that to like, oh, how do we make that even better? How do we make that even better? When I was still an acupuncturist, I had three clinics in three cities. And at one time I had 18 acupuncturists on my team. But I had 15 years of clinical experience seeing, you know, 10,000 patients, but some of my acupuncturists were one year out of school. Mm -hmm. And so I kept thinking, how do I standardize the experience? How do I make sure that a person who comes into my clinic has the exact same, that that acupuncturist has the exact same skill set that I have. And that's where the data began because I really started um, collecting data from our patients in a very precise way. So we, an acupuncturist might say, do you have PMS? Yes or no. Whereas I would say, do you have PMS? Yes or no. What symptoms do you specifically have? And on a one to five, how bad are they? And then looking at all of those symptoms and their rankings, I was able to say like, oh, okay, well, these are how these things are related. Here's the intervention that I'm going to deliver. And I want to measure, is that intervention, was that intervention right or wrong? Because all medicine is, is actually art. It's all hypotheses. Is it right or wrong? And how do I use the data every time to validate that, that X plus Y equals Z and I can produce a predictable result? And that was really game changing. And then we ended up doing that for about 10 years and then took that and used that to build conceivable. And then now we're taking what we learned from conceivable to make that extensible to all people with periods across their whole journey. And it's the data that, you know, tells us like we had one experience where we polled 3000 people with periods. And I wanted the first question to be an open ended question. Because any place I go, if I go to a party, I, if I go to the Academy Awards, as soon as one woman finds out what I do for a living, all of them will be grabbing their wine glasses and they'll be like, hey, come in the bathroom with me and let me tell you about my period. But yet no one's talking about their periods, but they <laughs> want to talk to me about it. So I said, I want to do an open-ended question at the beginning of the quiz. And I want to say, tell me about your period, because I have this hypothesis that women and people with periods really need to talk about this. Mm -hmm. And there was mostly men on our team who were helping us with it. They're like, they won't answer that. People don't op answer open-ended questions. They're, they're lazy, whatever. They wrote novels. Oh my gosh. They wrote novels. And then the next thing I did is I wanted to see like, would they talk about it? Would they record an audio, not a video, but would they record an audio talking about it? And the same thing, they talked and talked and talked and talked. It was like a therapy session. And so because of that, that's driving the innovation around the technology that we're building. Like, how do we, how do we give people the opportunity to talk about something that is so taboo that they feel embarrassed about and deliver an experience where they actually feel heard, right? Because that is also a therapy all every piece like like I just want to wear a t-shirt like have my brazen t-shirt on yeah I, really love it. Want, I only really want to wear t-shirts that say everything's connected you know yeah our, our investors from conceivable would say okay you increase the likelihood of conception with infertile women by 274 percent with no human interaction for almost nothing what was the thing that got them knocked up 
they, you know, they're like, take that and like extract that and make a company out of that one thing. They're like, was it the diet? Was it the customized Chinese herbs? Was it the customize this? Was it whatever? And I said, when we looked at the data, it was shocking because every intervention ended up being almost equally ranked, even herbs, which I think are the strongest thing on the planet, like personalized herbs. If you're doing it right, can produce ridiculous results. And the only thing that was slightly more impactful was the mindfulness work. So everything was ranked 4% higher was the mindset, mindfulness, all all that piece, which people usually consider to be the fluff, but I'm convinced that actually, you know, ultimately we'll be doing things with placebo on brazen. Interesting. Oh my gosh. I just like, that is so, so interesting that it is like all of these elements are a key piece. And then, yeah, you nailed it. Like people think it's fluff, Ugh, you know, but it's like, no, 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 this is, this is one of the most important pieces to it all. And it goes even to what you were talking about before about, you know, people who are maybe fixed in a way of uh, how they want to deal with things. And that is potentially something deeper in terms of. Or, or fixed about what's true. Yes. Right? So a woman who can't get pregnant, identifies herself as infertile when she goes to the doctor they tell her the the language i mean i was a linguist in my first career the language that they use is you are infertile you have diminished ovarian reserve you have advanced maternal age you have you know insufficient whatever men they just say you have low sperm count what a difference right right? like what a difference because one identifies you you are infertile versus you have low sperm count, completely different. And of course, people internalize that differently. And then they start, well, because I'm infertile, because I'm infertile and our minds are listening. I mean, I always say like, I know we don't cuss on this um, and I'm not going to cuss, but um, (laughs) the example I usually use is if you had a five-year-old child who came to live with you and every single day you said, hey, little kid, you're a piece of garbage. You're worthless. You're nothing but a little piece of doo-doo. Right. If you said that, how many days would you have to say that to a kid before they would embody that? Like, not many. And how many times does a woman have to say to herself, not she's not saying like, oh, you are infertile, but she's saying I am infertile. There's no difference. Right. For her mind to keep her physiology to start to match that. The data are so robust. It's so interesting. They did a study where they took a cohort of people and um, and they gave them like a little weight for their fingers. Even show them, a weight for their finger. And they said, for 30 minutes, I want you to do this with the weight. And they measured the strength of their finger before and after. And they want to see, OK, that's for sure going to increase their finger strength. Then one time they showed them the exercise and they let them feel one contraction of the thing. And they told the second group, we want you to, for 30 minutes a day, imagine that you're doing that. We do not want you to even move your finger. Well, I can't remember the exact data, but it was like the people who worked out increased the finger strength by like 30, pardon me, 35%. When I get excited, I start hiccuping (laughs) 35%, but the people who did nothing, 20%. Right. Like, yeah. And these are like so many studies that show, so our minds are so powerful. And, and so I think we get in a fixed mindset. I mean, like I'm really passionate about working with people with PMDD. It's really my passion project right now. PMDD is like, it's not a severe kind of PMS, but it looks like a severe kind of PMS Mm -hmm. in which your PMS starts, your symptoms start pretty much the second you ovulate and last until you start your period. And it is truly life interrupting. 30% of people with this condition will have a suicide attempt because of it. 
and they suffer so badly that they cannot see that there is a possibility for a different outcome. You know, they're like, I am incapacitated for half of the month. My doctor just thinks I have bipolar, but I don't have bipolar. Drugs don't work. They get in such a locked in mindset that like, there is no, I'm going to be here until I die. And it's until you untangle that, it makes it really hard to make progress because whatever you're putting in supplements, mind, like changes in the environment, changes in diet. If the mind is continually saying, this is never going to work. This is never going to work. This is never going to work. This is not going to work because your mind we've demonstrated is stronger than any of it. It's yeah. It makes the hugest difference. And I think that's really important, like that you help people understand like, yes, we're giving you the supplements and the technology and the medicine to help deal with what's going on in your body. But I know from speaking with you and for everything that Proper Brazen stands for, the company stands for so much more than that. It is about truly allowing people to redefine themselves and not have their body and their PMS or their infertility or anything like that define them. It is, you know, they can create that new vision. You have I, we were talking before we hit record about your, you know, you're deep into meditation and you are deep into these different ways to take control of your mind and your body and the outcome that you want. I'm really curious, what are uh, some of the habits that you have as a founder that keeps you grounded, keeps you connected to creating great ideas and making the impact that you want to have in the world? Uh, my main practice um, is sort of a combination of um, some, like I've been a Buddhist for 20 years and then recently started studying Joe Spence's work. There's a, if you're into like working on this, like breaking the habit of being yourself will rock your world. It will completely rock your world. And I do a meditation. His basically, I do an hour meditation in the morning and at night that is, um, it's really powerful. I can tell you how to do it in five is seconds. Is it Joe Dispenza one? I've done a, a few of his. Which one do you do? I'm so curious. Well, I do like a hybrid because I always think I can do things better. But uh, I mean, I listen to his. But so like Joe's point is like, you know, you have to invent. Like, how do you like, how do you what do you want for your life? Like quit surviving and invent what you like. And my vision is around like. I have the ability to, because this is the vision of brazen, right? So I have to sort of do both that I want to become untethered from every single thing that keeps me from having access to anything I want. So things like greed and ego and, and actually achievement, because I'm sort of like a compulsive overachiever, which keeps me from staying focused on what I want to work on, on regret and, and fear and bitterness, all those things are things that are not useful for being free. And they are actually like barnacles on your ability to like really get clear and do and manifest what your dreams are. So my vision is like, I sit there and I'm like, I just imagine like I'm sitting here and I unshackle from every single one of those things that keep me from having access. And the moment that I unshackle, I turn into fire. Like once, like all the things right away, I was like, I turn into fire and I'm like, just like, holy moly, like I'm pure fire right now. And I can, I like, you know how moths come to fire, right? Mm -hmm. And then I can magnetize anything I want or need. And then as the moths come to me, I basically, you know, bring them into my fire and then I use alchemy and I like put it out into the universe, like a thousandfold. And so I love this. (laughs) 
it's powerful, you know? And then in, in the space of that, like, you know, I have a chronic illness. I have, you know, like multiple sclerosis and pretty much in permanent remission, but I still have to really stay on top of that. Weird things can pop up all the time. So really, I'm really trying to get divorced from the concept of being sick, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I try to never, like, I always share that I was diagnosed with MS because I think it's relevant to what's possible. I could not walk without a cane when I was 20 years old. I was very, very sick. I napped six times a day. I was incredibly sick. And it was really the journey that got me to here today. But I think that, like, even when you have a chronic illness, like endometriosis, you can be like, I'm sick. I live in pain. These are barnacles that make it impossible to transcend your place in all Everything that I do for Brazen is like, how can I invent stuff that will help everyone else who's in my, my, my wake also unshackle so that I want to see what happens. I want to see what happens when we unleash every person with a period from everything that's holding them back. I want to see what happens to society when every person is like, they are fired and like, holy moly, let's go catch the universe on fire. Kind of woo-woo, but like, and I'm not even woo-woo, but I'm getting there as I get older. (laughs) That's powerful though. What can happen? What is possible? And that possibility is something worth striving for every single day, which I know that that is something that you are like all in, all into making that a reality, which is remarkable. And so many people are so grateful for all the work that you do. Thank you. Well, I think that you were asking like what else I use. I'm really obsessed with Brendan Bouchard because I think he's such a great leader and he has this new good day live that I haven't signed up for, but I probably will. So I do use his planner every day, which I think is really useful. And one of the things that he asks in his planner is if you, and I think this is one of the, as a co as a founder to a founder, um, you know, you can just get mired in like, I don't know how to do this. I don't know what to do. And you're like freaking out in your house. And um, he says uh, in the question, like that you're working on every day, if you were a high performance coach, for you, what would you say to yourself today? And so often, because sometimes when I met, I do a lot of mentoring, when I'm mentoring my mentees, everything I'm saying, like, I should be doing this. I should be doing this. <laughs> yeah. That's good advice. To me, right. So it's this good practice of saying, like, if you were like mentoring somebody else, like, what advice would you give? And almost always I can come up with something, you know, like, oh, okay. You know, either whether, even if it's just a words of encouragement. Mm-hmm. Well, and what better person to hear those words from? yourself like what we were talking about before absolutely and that is that is a really powerful piece this is the key to all of it our brain and our mind rather is the the real key to success in so so many different different ways as it can have, really work against you though so mm-hmm. it can work against like as we've been working on some things and really trying to overcome some hurdles with with conceivable and brazen for a, several years i kept saying i've just got to stick in my spoke I've just got to stick. I've, I've, I've got like billions of things that I can use to help people. And I can't, un- I can't untangle it. I can't. And I just said it so many times a day, you know, and as I started doing Joe's work, everything started just opening up in a very miraculous way. But I want to share one more tip that I just learned because I, you know, I'm obsessed with TikTok. I have a crazy quarter million teenage followers on TikTok oh around God, periods and stuff. And it's just my, the most fun thing that I do. But I saw this TikTok. That's my other t-shirt I want. I saw this thing on TikTok. 
she said, if you really want to up-level your mindfulness and like your affirmations, she says, when we say like, oh, if, if you're like struggling with your money and you're like, oh, I just, I'm so abundant. Your subconscious wants to go, yeah, but you didn't pay your bills this month or you still have all that student loan debt. And you see like, it's still worth doing. She's like, but if you want to up-level it, the new data show that it, asking yourself a question about it, like, how did I get so rich like that fast? Mm. And, and even singing it, like when you're driving, like, I'm so rich. How do I get so rich? I can't even believe it. Like really asking, she's like, it circumvents that, that's that skeptical part of your brain. And mm -hmm. it puts the brain to work looking for evidence of how you did get so rich or how you are so rich. I've actually seen some like kind of crazy things happen. I've only been doing it for a week and crazy things happen this week. Like I got my PPP loan. I finally got my $12,000 tax return that is a year late. <laughs> Someone who had bought my clinic sent me an email today saying like, Hey, I want to pay off the note. Amazing. What? Hey, that awesome. is, that, those are the moths coming in and it is happening. You ask the right questions, you're going to get the right pieces. Okay, that is so powerful. I'm going to start putting that into practice too. Both of those. I love those. I think that for entrepreneurs that, uh, and, and entrepreneurs are not, but I find entrepreneurs are just really drawn to the self-development work. And if they aren't at the beginning, they eventually end up getting there because they realize that so much of their results are based on what's happening on the inside and it can become easier. And it sounds super woo. And like, it's just, what's the harm in trying? What's the harm in trying to, you know, change your beliefs? You know, everything that you have is a reality of some sort of input. So if you want a different output, you know, maybe just try on some different inputs for a little while. See what happens, right? You tried it on for a week, this new way of looking at things. And hey, seems to be working, right? Well, and I always tell people, um, whether it's founders or, or patients, customers, that when I'm like, what would you invent for yourself? What would life look like if you just literally invented it? Mm -hmm. And they get really scared with that. And they're like, because it's like, what if I can't get there or whatever? And I, look, you have two choices, worrying about how bad things are right now or playing in a world that seems really fun. I'm like, I live in St. Martin and half of the time I'm snorkeling and half of the time I'm surfing and I work remotely and I'm serving a billion people a day. Like, that is way more fun than like, oh my God, how am I going to figure this out? And we're not going to make it. And I'm going to have to go get a job. It's just a choice. It's just like a, a fork in the road. And you can either focus on like, I'm going to just fill my head with all these things that I want to move into or worrying doesn't accomplish anything. It just doesn't accomplish. And in fact, it, it brings you backwards. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's a really good point. And it's bringing you to this place that you don't want to be anyways. So like, why not worry about how amazing life is going to be uh, when you have to walk certain pieces, right? Like worry about those pieces. Yeah. And I would say not even when you unlock it, like Joe says, you have to live it as all as if it's already happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, so you have to imagine like in the morning, like, you know, like I would say like now after working on this thing, I'd be like, how did I get to like St. Martin so fast? How did that happen? Like literally a month later, I'm living in St. Martin. Like that's the kind of like crazy when I'm driving talk that I do with myself now. It's way more fun. Way more fun than worrying about all the different pieces that, you know, didn't go right. Couldn't go right. Oh my gosh. Is this, is this the right thing? Yeah. Have some fun, right? Exactly. 
Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Okay. Okay. We're going to wrap things up. Any final pieces of advice that you have for anyone? There are so many gems in here for people to help them with their businesses uh, as they might be launching a new food or beverage product, or maybe they're stuck. They're probably walking away being like, oh my gosh, I got some upgrading to do. But um, for anyone who's on that journey right now, what advice would you have for another food founder? Well, I think that if you look, I just recently started doing a class called, I'm just going to look it up really quick. It's called founder, F-O-U-N-D-R, founder.com. And it's expensive. It's like a thousand dollars, but the woman who um, teaches the class launched like three enormous e-commerce companies. And she basically just like has the playbook for it. And Mm. it's so organized and I have learned, even though I've been a, you know, an entrepreneur forever, I have learned every, like every single day I learned so much and they have a great network. Mm. Um, their Facebook group is really supportive. So if you're like, Oh, I want to launch a new product in my line, you can mock it up and pop it up there and get like real time. There's like 11,000 people in the group. Huh. So it's a fast way of a community of people who are many, many, many in food and Bev. Um, so it could be just an additional community of support and resources, but it's been like one of the best courses I ever took because like she teaches for five minutes. And then at the bottom, she's like, read this article. Here's the template. Here's the, whatever, do this. Here's the quiz to send out, to ask people about your product. Like it's all done for you. That's awesome. That is really, really awesome. Oh, wow. That makes a huge difference. Yeah. That, uh, founder.com. I'll put that in the notes so everyone can grab that. Also, I was saying this before you're like the woman who knows all the, all the gems for new tech and, uh, new pieces, which I absolutely, absolutely love. So founder, that's really, really awesome. And I think that also talks about just like surrounding yourself with people that can help you, you know, don't do it alone. You don't need to. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially like if you can find like even a small community of people who want to just like, especially accountability partners can make a big difference because it's easy to just like, if you're not hyper-focused on what you need to do next to move the needle, I mean, I'm the worst at this. You can easily get sidetracked by the shiny object and really lose your North Star. Kirsten, thank you so much for sharing all of this. I love chatting with you and I love watching everything that you're doing and I cannot wait to see more and more women have their bodies unlocked for them from your product and everything that you are doing forever brazen. So thank you for all that you do and for sharing your journey and insights with everyone today on the Food Founders Podcast. Thank you. It's been so lovely. I know that you and I are going to be friends now, so I'm so excited to have a new friend. Absolutely. Love it. Okay. Thank you so much. And people are welcome to reach out to me. Um, You know, you can find me if you click on the Forever Brazen website on the chatbot, it actually goes to my email. So if you have questions, happy to help. Perfect. Oh, and what is your TikTok handle? So everyone can follow you there too. At the period expert. Of course. Love it. Love it. And I know that you are brazen on there and you are chatting real. You're a real speaker and you call it like it is, which is amazing. And I think, uh, heck, let's take away some shame around some of these pieces, especially around periods and have people have real conversations. And, you know, people got lots to say about that. They do. They do. And you can join me live every uh, every weekday at four o'clock on TikTok if you have questions, too. That's a good way. Although there's a lot of... Uh, 13 year olds who will be fighting for your attention. (laughs) They're awesome though. They're, they're so cool. They're superstars. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Kirsten, thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. 